Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Kyle's Thoughts. We missed an episode last week, so today I am joined by two guests to make up for it. I got Tyler Hubbard, a.k.a. T-Hubs, and Mr. Ben Logan with me today. Um, both of us, or all three of us, actually, worked at Memory Blue back in the day and now are kind of doing different things in sales. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, Tyler, if you want to start off, introduce yourself, let people know what you've done, where you come from, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll try not to go too far back. Um, my name is Tyler Hubbard again. Um, so I've worked in Memory Blue for the past year and a half. Um, then before that, I did car sales for two, nope, three years, uh, two years at an Acura dealership, three, and then my very, very first year at a Nissan. So been in the sales game for a little while. If you even want to go back further, I did a whole two years at Clark's Shoe Sales where I was a manager there. So, like I said, I've been doing sales for quite some time now. Um, have a love-hate relationship with it, um, which we guess we kind of get into a little later. But, yeah, I think for the most part, that's pretty much it. From Lynchburg, Virginia. So, if you know where that's at, welcome to the boonies, as I always say. But, uh, you know, love my hometown. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nice. And, Ben, how about yourself? Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so my name is Ben Logan. I also worked at Memory Blue on Central Square with these guys and uh, originally from outside of Philadelphia um, in a small town on the Jersey side of things, South Jersey, uh, Medford, New Jersey. Um, went to JMU and studied business, ended up in sales uh, with Memory Blue, did some door-to-door -door pest control sales as well. Um, and kind of hopped around. I uh, was down in Virginia for a little bit for school um, and the Nova area and then Richmond as well. And now I'm down in Tampa, Florida. So getting a lot of sun and enjoying myself and just working remote. And yeah, happy to be here. Very nice. So I guess that's kind of the first thing I was kind of curious about is Tyler, you didn't go to college. And obviously Ben and I did. But yeah, we all kind of ended up at the same spot doing the same thing. So I guess from the first part, I guess, Tyler, for you is, you know, how was that experience for you, I guess, going in from, you know, the car sales world where I'd imagine it's kind of probably more common for people maybe not to have their degree or be, you know, formally educated or anything like that. And then moving into like tech sales where it seems like pretty much everybody has a degree. Did you find that that kind of transition changed anything or was it pretty much the same old game as you knew it? Um. <laughs> So it's kind of 50-50. Um, I know, like, in the car sales world, if you say, like, if you were to walk in and be like, yeah, I have didn't graduate, uh, nobody bats an eye at it. doesn't really seem to be, like, in, like you said, any in anything uncommon. Hmm. Um, but when you go over into tech sales, it's kind of funny because I, I used an example yesterday. I was kind of, like, uh, joking with some guys from a different team who we're in a competition with. Um and one of the guys was like, yeah, that's why I went to a school in California. And I was like, OK, I didn't even graduate college and we're working the same job. Congratulations. Um, so when it comes down to it, like, I don't know, I I don't feel a certain way about it. Uh, nobody ever looks at me any differently because of the fact that I didn't graduate college. But um, it's something that I plan on doing. Uh, it's just, you know, life gets in the way. Responsibilities happen. And that's why I didn't. So. I mean, I don't think it actually I've always felt a certain way about college as well, because I feel even when I was in it before I got into it, I was only doing it for my parents and family. And because everyone told me this is the only way to become anything in life. 
Uh, when in reality, I feel like it, college does not give you an equal understanding of like someone's intelligence uh, or it gives you someone's uh, understanding of being able to do any type of job, really. And my eyes is all about the experience and what you've done in the past. Uh, henceforth, why I did car sales for so long. I, I feel like it just led me to be here and be able to do this job efficiently. That's it. Yeah. And I guess that it makes a lot of sense, right? Because in sales, it's like, it's not really one of those things where you need a lot of technical knowledge or like, right? It's not computer science. You're not a professor or anything like that. It's really just like knowing people and how to talk to people. And so it does kind of get a little goofy in my opinion, when like, even, you know, now being internally in central square, like we have a lot of the times where like we have really good candidates who could be, you know, really well or do really well in the job, I think, but they're kind of, you know, blocked off from even having a chance because of that bachelor's degree required, right. To even get in the door, um, through the external route, not through obviously memory blue. And so I've, I've thought about, you know, you know, what value really is a college degree and what does it really show? And I think it's oftentimes over, valued it feels like and i know now that's kind of changing because a lot of places and people are starting to realize that like you know college isn't for everybody it was just one of those things i know when i grew up from like the time i was in pretty much middle school yeah middle school they were like okay what college are you going to like you yeah. need to have a list of like top three top five schools that you're trying to get it to like here's all the ap courses here's like all these different clubs and stuff you can get into and everything was about like making you the most um i guess desirable college applicant and that's kind of how all public education middle school high school is structured around and i think really it's doing a lot of kids a disservice because i think there's a lot of people out there who feel kind of like they're failures because they didn't go to college or they couldn't graduate college or maybe they didn't even get in and it's like no nah, like you could still have a very successful and productive career and life without going to college if it's not for you um, and I think that, you know, you're a perfect example of that. There's a lot of people I know who run really, really well in sales without any college, you know? Um, but Ben, what about you? What are your thoughts on it? Do you feel like going to yeah. college helped out a lot or, or do you kind of think Dude, it was? Absolutely not. Um, so I, I wanted to like, I, I've had multiple times where I wanted to drop out in school, like, <laughs> um, just because I, I don't think you guys ever knew this about me, but like, I was never a natural uh, classroom learner. I actually was, I, it probably makes, I don't think you know this about me. It probably makes sense when I'll tell you, but uh, I actually was in like smaller, like pull out classes when I was younger. Uh, so like, I was definitely, you know, dealt with that stigma of being like, all right, this kid's like, probably <laughs> like could be on the spectrum or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I definitely, um, you know, the one thing that I learned through that was like, basically hard work because eventually for me like being a little like third grader that I was I eventually got into the quote-unquote big classroom or whatever and, and made my way out <laughs> so um yeah I mean like I learned how to you know get by but once I got to college I eventually was still like not a, a natural student I was having a lot of fun partying and stuff don't get me wrong um, but when it came to Sunday and Monday, I was stressed all the time and like, it kind of just carried over. Um, so there was times where I wasn't having the best time, um, in college just because I was so strung out. And even that like process that you guys were talking about, how there was like a lot of kids today, or at least like within the past couple of years, having that list that you're talking about, mm -hmm. I was literally one of those kids and 
had a lot of pressure on me. It was very stressful. I was just trying to score like a super score, like above a thousand on the SAT. So um, <laughs> like literally it was just uh, kind of like that. So I um, stuck it out obviously, but I don't think I could have gotten through without COVID online classes and <laughs> like just honestly, just being a marketing major kind of very broad. If I was like finance or accounting or anything that was super like required a lot of studying and stuff, I definitely probably would have ended up probably doing something else. So um, definitely agree with you guys. I like, I'm happy I went, happy I have my friends and everything, but I am happy now that like going forward, there's a lot of more opportunity out there. There's a lot of courses you can take versus throwing up tens of thousands of dollars to go to for just like, you know, a piece of paper. So yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts. Absolutely. And I, and I do want to emphasize that point too, is like not to knock education in any sense. Like there's definitely value in like educating and, and learning, um, obviously expanding your knowledge and stuff. But like I was telling Tyler, um, one time that like the most knowledge I've learned about like sales is like from dudes I've listened to like on YouTube and it sounds goofy because it's like, Oh yeah. Hustle culture. Like, let me tell you my fucking 10 X program. Or you think of like Grant Cardone or um, God, I'm trying to think of Dan Locke or some of these other like guru people. Right. And it's like, yeah, a lot of them are scam artists, but a lot of them also though have legitimate techniques and methods that have been practiced tried and true through decades of sales careers that do work right like different ways to like open prospects up or to how to get around like tough uh, objections or how to handle like stressful situations all that kind of stuff you can learn a lot online for free and those skills will take you pretty far in in a sales role i mean in my college career is like even more useless than fucking marketing like i have a degree in political science and public policy right like and i sell technology for a living i mean that's really not doing me any favors but at the same time, like, I agree with you, Ben, like I do, I, I had a blast, right? Like the friends you make, the experiences you had in college, the amount of like personal growth I did personally was like a huge thing for me, like um, kind of a weird little side tangent here. But like, I was pretty, uh, are a lot more conservative socially in my beliefs before I went to college, like in high school, I was a pretty conservative S type kid. Uh, and then I got to college and um all I was in a quad so I had three roommates all in the same room and every single one of my roommates was either bisexual or gay which was like the first time I'd ever like interacted with people who were not straight like or guys that weren't straight and I was like well this is gonna be like interesting or whatever and they were like the dopest guys you know what I mean like we're still like friends to this day and that really helped like expand my knowledge and kind of my I guess preconceived notions of like oh like how people are who aren't like you and really challenged me to like challenge my own personal beliefs, I guess. And that is like, I feel like if it wasn't for college, I wouldn't have got that experience because it forces you into so many like different environments and so many like social settings and stuff that you otherwise like naturally wouldn't like put yourself in. Uh, even stupid things like frat parties. Like I'm not really a party guy. Like I don't go out to the bars. I don't do, yeah, you guys know, like when we go out, I don't really go out. It's not my thing. But like in college, I would like go to those things, you know, and then you kind of get like that experience of like talking to strangers, just like shooting the shit. Like how to like, how do you co-mingle? How do you like get to know people? Uh, when you know nothing about them going into it and like that kind of stuff is very valuable i feel like later in life um but obviously you know i'm gonna oh, shit my debt. <laughs> i got hella student loans for like learn how to talk to people and like don't be a bigot like oh great good shit kyle but what were you gonna say tyler no i was gonna say like i i agree with that a thousand percent i will say the only 
like the biggest thing that I learned from the two years I did do college was um just learning about like different cultures and how different people like to talk and different and talk about different things. Um, like I'll go back and I'll say this, right? So my grandfather is like me, but on steroids. Like he literally could meet you for the first time his entire life five minutes ago. And then next thing you know, he knows your your government name, your parents' government name, all your family members. Like he just knows everything. He knows what car you drive, where you live. He might be over your house in like a week just to come eat. <laughs> like that's just his personality. Like that's just how he is. Everywhere he goes, I used to hate going to eat with him because he would talk to the waitress like he's known her for 20 years or talk to the waiter like he's known him for 20 years. I'm like, bro, they're just doing their job. Leave them alone. Uh, but he was that guy. Like, that's just what he did. So for me, I was I was like that to an extent, but I was only like that with people who looked like me. Mm. Because growing up where I grew up, if you didn't look like me, it was it was a it was a large difference in like likes and um, also just beliefs. Like, for instance, where I grew up, like, yeah, don't get me wrong. I grew up around a lot of other uh, Caucasian men and women that was, like, really cool. And, like, I was best friends with a lot of them. But then there was a lot of other ones who, like, hated me mm-hmm. just because I didn't look like them. So I grew to not like them back because I was like, well, shit, you don't like me. I ain't, I, ain't, I don't like you. Like, there's no other way to do it. Um, so then when I came to college, I, like, started meeting people, uh, you know, that – genuinely like me just for who I am, didn't care about where I came from, what I look like, that st- type of stuff. I even then, this is the first time in college, was the first time I ever met Hispanic people. It was the first time I ever met uh, Muslims or Islam or Middle Eastern, uh, Asian. Like, I, it was the first time I was meeting anybody that was not black or white. Like, if you were not black or white, I had never known anything more than what you see on TV. So when I went to school, I learned all these things. So then... It helped when I got into, uh, you know, like real life situations where I'm like working at a shoe store and I would see a lady come in and then I would be able to talk to her about things that she liked all based on or things that uh, she could relate to, at least because of her cultural uh, you know, background. I could be able to have those conversations and talk about different types of food and, uh, you know, day to day things. And I could wish her, you know, certain holidays, happy this, happy that. So it was just that was my strongest benefit. Um, when it came to college. Now, I'm going to throw a loop in there. Do y'all think that it matters, like, what you, like, there's a gentleman that I went to sell cars with. He went to school strictly for sales, like, just for sales. That was what he got a degree in. Do you think that's beneficial or not? Um, To me, honestly, I'm going to say it It depends, right? I think it depends a lot on the schools, kind of who the professors are, what knowledge they're bringing to the table and what expertise is there. Because I think as you guys probably all have learned too in our kind of career field, it's like those who can't do teach, right? Like the teaching types are the people normally who aren't really selling all that well. Those are the ones who go into management. Those are the ones who become the teachers because they couldn't hit quota. They couldn't close deals. So, you know, they couldn't really make it as a seller. So now they're going to teach you how to be a seller. And some of those people, you know, they, they got taught well themselves. And so they have like good fundamentals, but I think it does depend a lot. <clears throat> also, I think the way that you approach selling for like a car is a lot different than the way you approach a million dollar software or a house 
or a pair of shoes or pest control service, right? And there's different kind of things that are going to work for different kind of um, fields of selling. For instance, you know, I told you I was looking at buying a, a BRZ, a Subaru, and you know, I, the lady still today hit me up again, like, "Oh, are you are you interested, or, or you know, have you lost interest in this?" And I was like, "Well, what happened? You told me on last Friday when I inquired that if I didn't get down there today, it was going to be off the lot. Like, I this was a hot commodity. I need to come down there right now, or it's going to be gone." So that whole like um, urgency thing that is common in sales for like I feel like smaller ticket items. Uh, doesn't really work in our field, right? Because like, if you go to the government and you're like, well, if you don't sign the RFP today for us, then like you ain't getting the deal. They're gonna be like, okay, go fuck yourself. Like, we don't care. We have like six other vendors who are begging to work with us instead. Like it doesn't, we don't, that's no sweat off our back. So I think that would be my one caveat, right? Like, I don't think it would hurt you necessarily. And especially if you like know, like for certain, like, yeah, I want to go into sales. But to speak to that point, there was a, th a poll I saw on LinkedIn that is for, you know, sellers and SDRs and stuff. And it said, you know, did you know you wanted to be in sales when you were in college? And 73% of respondents said no. And so I do think it is one of those career fields where it feels like a lot of us like myself, for example, like it feels like I stumbled into it. It was something that like, I like talking to people. I'd been a server all through college, like at restaurants and stuff. And I, that was the most fun I had was like shooting the shit with people, right? Trying to see if I can make a table laugh. Cause I used to say, when you're a dude and a server, you got two options. You're either funny or you're perfect. Like you, the order's gotta be just right. You gotta get there timely. That's all you got for you. If you're a girl, you could be pretty. You could be flirty. You got like all these different little tactics. You I don't do. give a damn as long as you, yeah. as long as you're attractive. My That's right. Three times, you still like get the, the, uh, <laughs> the LinkedIn queens, huh? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And like, and so they got a little bit of a different approach that they can use. And whereas, like, I, I got like you got humor and accuracy. That's <laughs> it. Those are all the games you got. Um, Unless you're me, and apparently, yeah. Unless you're me, because apparently, I like the old ladies love me because I used to always have like the. <laughs> The like grandmas like flirting with me, which I would flirt back and they love that. But so anyways, so going from that, I kind of was like, I think I'd be good at sales because I've always kind of liked uh, I'm very competitive, you know, really like really, really competitive in pretty much everything I've done. Uh, played, you know, sports in high school, was the captain of my mock trial team, like debated on kind of a state level in, in high school and college. And so that was always kind of been a focus of like, my personality, right, is getting into these kind of like highly competitive situations and wanting to be the best at whatever I was doing. And so when I got into sales, well, the first time I got into sales, it, I didn't get that, that itch wasn't scratched because it was sales without commission, which is a fucking joke. So anybody who's out there who's like looking at a sales role that's like a oh, uh, salary only, no commission, don't do it. That, that shit sucks. It's boring. It's, it's monotonous. It is a waste of time. Yeah. It's like, dude, you, you'd be better off doing any other office job out there than sales with no commission. Exactly. So then when I got to Memory Blue and the first thing you're introduced to is competition. And they're like, oh, we have this new hire competition called Biggest Game. And if you win, you'll get you know a $10,000 pay bump and a vacation in Mexico and all this other shit. And I was like, you know what? This is what I've been looking for. This is the kind of like environment that like one makes me want to be better. And then on top of that, you know, luckily I had uh, Nick Haddad who was super competitive himself, you know, and he was like really gunning for it from the get go, just like I was. And it, so it made it a real competition. It wasn't just like a cakewalk. I actually had to like cry, you know, which <clears throat> sounds goofy, but it's true. Most of the time I've gotten away with like not really having to put that much effort in like, in high school and shit, 
never studied, never did anything. Like college was the first thing that taught me that too. It was like, oh shit, I got to like study. Like I can't just <laughs> bullshit my way through a class anymore. Like I actually have to like pay attention and like show up. Like, That's this is why crazy. I dropped out. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. My, no, my, yeah. par- my parents listen to this, mom, dad, I'm so sorry. I never really told y'all this. <laughs> That's like 95% of the reason I dropped out. I went through yes. all my AP classes. I did straight AP classes. The only AP class I didn't take was I think like read like English. No, I did AP English too. So it's not even that. I did all AP. Um and I did didn't do AP one year for my senior year because I was just like I'm tired. I don't feel like really working that, that much. But sure. when I tell you all of those classes, even the tests you take afterwards, all of those tests, everything, I never studied. Not one time. The most I might have did was just read the book because I had to write a paper on it. That was it. And half the time I spark notes that. I so was it was like I didn't even read the book. <laughs> I so it's like I never tried, like ever tried. And then I get in college, and I'm like, damn, like I didn't study and I really got a D on this test. Like, yeah, or damn, I really studied. I didn't study and I got a C minus. Then you study, you still get a B. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I'm not doing this. I can't like <laughs> this is it meant for me. I don't, who who is psychotic enough to do this? Like, not I. So I left. I was like, yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. At least at that moment in time in my life, I had no discipline because I had never studied before. Mm. So when it came down to it, and we were like, yeah, let's, let what are we gonna do? Like you brought up you, the reason you ended up in sales. Like the reason I did was because I had no other choice. When you get out and you you have no degree. You got, you can really, to me, it feels like you're down to two options. Learn a trade, get into sales. That's it. Yeah. And when I looked at the two, I started winning. I was like, shit, hard labor. (laughs) Convince somebody to buy something. Tyler's always choosing the path of least resistance. That's what I'm learning. (laughs) Definitely going to convince somebody to buy something. (laughs) I'm definitely not doing that other thing. Hard labor, you're tripping. Like I, I think I'm just not, it's not me. It's not, it's not me at all. So I don't know. It is I'd like I 100 percent agree. I will say out of the three years I did car sales, I will say I probably met over 70 people that were doing it with me. And I would say 65 of the 70 were in there by accident. Mm. It was just like, yo, I ain't had no other option. Or, yo, my man was making a lot of money doing this, so I said I'd do it too. Or, like, hey, man, I just got out of jail. I need a job. Yeah. And this was the highest paying thing I could find. So it was, like, a lot of these people that are doing it, like, we always – that's my other thing is, like, they always – like, people always down-talk car salesmen. It's, like, you're looking at a man. The reason why – a man or a woman, the reason why they're there and the reason why they are the way they are in terms of, like, down your throat, like, oh, I need to make the sale, I need to make the sale, is because this is literally their only chance. Like, they don't have nothing else outside of what they got right now. Hmm. So uh, when I was selling cars, the reason why I was down people's throats because, like, I was like, if I don't make this work, I don't have – I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. Like, I really have no idea – of what my next step is going to be, uh, where I'm going to take this information and this knowledge. Like, I just got lucky and found Memory Blue, which led me to Central Square. But mm-hmm. when I tell you, I was like, I'm going to be doing car sales for the rest of my life, and I'm going to have to make this work. I'm going to have to make as much money as I can because this is the only way I'm going to eat. This is the only way my girlfriend going to eat. This is the only way my parents will be proud of me. Whatever it is, it's just like, this is it. This is all I got. So, it's just funny to hear uh, other people's perspective on people in sales because they always say that, oh, yeah, this person is so aggressive. They're always so mm. 
down my throat and getting on my nerves and they're snaky and they're this and they're that. And it's like, nah, this man is just trying to feed his family. <laughs> like, unlike you, he don't have a degree to back him up where he can just switch job 13 times with 13 different companies and 13 different types of, you know, career mm-hmm. paths. It's like, this man literally is, this is what he got and this is it. So that's why I respect salesmen so much in my in my point of view. I was like, anybody doing sales, whether you got a degree or not, if you commit to this, you either crazy as hell or you realize that like, hey, this is this is my one shot at making it big as quick as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think I'll, my bad. Ahead, I was no, gonna share my uh just two cents on a little bit about just my path. Um so I actually Tyler, back to your question about like if a sales career is useful or not, if you majored in sales or whatever. Um, I actually, that was what I did. Um, and I, I know you guys already know I'm not really, wasn't really big on school. Um, kind of just copy and pasted my dad's career and followed through. So um, with that said, I mean, I think it is kind of beneficial, obviously, depending on, you know, the professor or whatnot. But the one thing that I did when I when I did take over kind of what my dad does, um, and it's really cliche, you know, having father as a salesman or, you know, a family member uh, just doing what they're doing. But um, the one thing that I think it is that's super valuable is it's super transferable for the skills that you learn if it's actually valuable teaching and such. Um, and the one thing I'm happy about is that it's helped me understand that even if I'm working in sales, I can do other things. Um, and with that said, um, definitely have other passions similar to like your own entrepreneurial pursuits, like similar to what we're doing. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, what your thoughts are on kind of, you know, what, what you might want to do on the side. I know we got something going, but if you guys have anything to uh, say about, you know, side hustles or anything that you guys are kind of, diving into in terms of like your passions for um anything entrepreneur wise or what we're doing um or what we have planned to do um we'd love to kind of talk about that i'll go first i'm gonna tell y'all right now my only focus for the next year and a half two years is i'm just trying to become as financial like as financially literate as possible. Um, I've realized that now at the age of 25, about to be 26 in two months, is I do not know anything about money. That was my other part about school is, and when I go back, the only thing I'm studying is finance and business. That's it. That's all the things I'm going to study. And, and yeah, I'm gonna take the general ed classes because I have to. But when I when it comes down to getting to the major aspect of things, I want to learn as much as I can about that because I realize like I have a spreadsheet that I literally look at every single day that has all of my bills, every single way that money's coming in, and every single way money's coming out. And it it still to this day baffles me, no matter how much research I have. So that would be like my only side thing is just becoming as financially literate as possible and then helping others in my life become, you know, reach my level. Like right now I have three kids on, uh, on my team at memory blue that literally are, I have every day meetings with that. I'm literally helping them build out all of their bills, build out all the things they want to do and how are they going to divide their money up to save money 
uh, on on the salaries that we know of. They're going to try to save money with that. Um, but also they're going to, you know, take that money and then, you know, do things with it. So one kid wants to get into real estate and go crazy. He wants to, you know, he really wants to build up his real estate lifestyle and, and buy houses and, you know, divide that money up to where he can make his money work for him. So I'm helping him with that. And then I have another kid who uh, has a similar passion to me, which is, as you tell by my background, cars. Like, he loves cars. He wants to get to the point where he has multiple cars and he can take them across the world and kind of, you know, show them off and really go to meets and become, make driving and cars his his lifestyle. Um, so with those, just those two examples, like, that's my thing. Like, I find happiness um, in helping the people around me learn the things that I already know. Like I'll go back and I'll, I was sitting on this one, Kyle. I was sitting on because I wanted to come right back at your neck. But just just being the devil's advocate on this. Uh-huh. So you made the statement, those, uh, those that can't do teach, mm. right? So I agree with you 75% of the way. The reason why I say 75% of the way is because I'm that other 25% where it's I can do, but I'd rather teach. And the reason why I'd rather teach is because I'm tired of doing. I've been doing for so long that I'm kind of at the point now where it's like I don't even, I don't want to go through the hustle and bustle no more. I'm, I'm and it's not because it's not because I'm. I wouldn't even say because I'm lazy. It's more the matter of like I feel like I got so much knowledge and I feel like others are so far behind and doing the same thing that I'm doing and they're gonna be. They're going to go through some of the trials and tribulations that I went to. I want them to have a lower path of resistance because I feel like I'm one of the few, not even few, but I'm one of those group of people that, like you said earlier, I choose the path of least resistance every single time. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way out of no way to, to make it the most efficient way possible for me to do anything. If you tell me to move this water bottle from here to the other side of the room and there's somebody else in this room, I'm not getting up. I'm going to pass it to him and tell him to put him on that table right there. Just because that's the least path of resistance for me. So, like, I want to create that mindset with a lot of these other people that are getting into tech sales and, like, help them, like, hey, look, bud, I understand that you want to, you know, grind it and work hard every single day. And I want you to do that, too, because that builds a great foundation. But at the same time, like, Here's this little nugget that can make it a little easier for you. You know, like yeah. <laughs> don't work so so hard. Like just work yeah. hard. You know, yeah. like, like work smarter, not harder. Kind of like yeah. Chat GPT, man. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> couple points on that. Like <laughs> one, I mean, that's kind of what Bill Gates said, right? He said, you know, if given between the <clears throat> two choices between a lazy worker and a hard worker, I pick the lazy one every time because he's going to find the fastest way to get it done with the least amount of effort. And that's true, right? If you got, if you're smart and lazy, there's a difference. If if you're just lazy, lazy and stupid, like then you end up being like some other folks we know who are not so beneficial. <laughs> but yeah, you, and you know, kind of my whole philosophy behind work smarter, not harder. I mean, like Ben said, like Chat GPT, right? Like utilizing like AI tools to write email cadences or figure out responses to different situations, or you know, a whole variety of different applications you can use it for. Um, even things like sales loft are like working smarter, not harder, right? Like that was one of the reasons why I pushed for to maintain my license for it, changing roles still is because I still want to be able to use it, you know, and the rest of the people 
on that team don't have it. And so they're having to hand write out, you know, in individual emails every time and then put them on like their own scheduled cadence manually. And that, that takes a lot of time. That's like, it's just a waste of time, right? Cause like it could be done automatically. It's it's what's the point of getting into it, but I don't want to forget Ben's original question about side hustle stuff. Um, when I was in college, I was a huge proponent of the side hustle. All right. Cause I was constantly broke, right? Like I made minimum wage um, plus tips it wasn't a whole lot. And so I was constantly trying to find ways to make more money. And that was something that, you know, I also say too, you were talking about like sales is a transferable skill, a hundred percent, because you're constantly selling, right? You're selling yourself, you're selling your worth, you're selling it. Uh, you know, even if you're in a job and you're not in sales, you're in sales because you have to try to convince your boss why you're worth a pay raise. You have to try to convince an interviewer why you're worth the job. You have to try to convince, right? There's a whole number of applications. You want to buy a house. Now you have to go into negotiations. You have to learn sales that way. So it's like either you're going to learn sales or sales is going to dominate you in your life, basically, right? Like the art of negotiation and dealing with people is one that is transferable across any number of disciplines in life. Um, but in terms of side hustles, so I bought and sold Pokemon cards. That was my first main source of income that I made pretty good amount of money from. Uh, I did both like buying new sets. I'd buy boxes from the distributor, open up the packs, take out the rares, sell the rares on eBay. And then the bulk which they call it the bulk or the trash cards. You get like a hundred or 200 of them and you sell them to like some mom on Facebook for 10 bucks for their kid. You know what I mean? Cause they were like, the trash cards are worth like 20, 30 cents a piece. So it's like, you're not really worth listing them on eBay, but you bundle them up and you sell them to like some kid on Facebook or their mom or whatever. And you make a couple bucks that way. Um, and I, I was pretty successful at that. I had a couple thousand dollars in, in on eBay in terms of like card sales. I got into Magic the Gathering cards because they were worth a bit. The Pokemon cards, though, kind of had like a boom and a bust. Um, a whole bunch of people got into it. I don't know if you're familiar with like Jake Paul, Logan Paul, like all these like YouTubers were buying Pokemon cards. And it was just getting yeah, crazy. I remember. Yeah, and it was just like really saturating the market with like a lot of people trying to do what I was doing. And so like the way to like the profit margins just weren't there because people were a little bit more smart about what they had. So like it used to be in the beginning, like you could find like, yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> like you could find a, a deal on like Facebook Marketplace or eBay of someone like selling their collection for like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, you know what I mean? And I could flip it and make like a couple hundred dollars off of it. But nowadays it's like, everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody's got a camera. They just like snap a picture of it. And they're like, what is this worth? And then they're like, ah, like they want fucking, you know, retail collector prices for their cards. And I'm like, dude, I'm a reseller. Like, I'm not going to pay you $200 for one card. It's not happening. Um, so I did go out. I did shoes for a while. I was flipping shoes, like drop I'm day. I'm about to say shoes is the same damn yep. thing. Bro. Nike app, man, I trying it. to get in. I'm like, let me get this fucking pair. Um, and then I did that until I got bit in the ass on the David Bowie's uh, that released. They were like these brand of David Bowie shoes. And uh, I don't remember if they were like Vans or whatever the fuck they were, but it was like a David Bowie collab. And everybody was like, dude, these are going to the fucking moon. I was on these, all these different subreddits and shit, like, like talking about it, discords. And they were like, dude, like you gotta like get these, like these are going to be so fucking hot. And so I bought like six pairs of these fucking shoes in, in sizes like eight to nine and a half. Cause those are the most commonly bought. If you don't know for shoes, that's like the ones that sell the fastest. Um, and I sat on them for months, man. And it was painful. I was stressing because I, at the time, <laughs> didn't really have like disposable income, right? Like I would, I'd put all my money into Pokemon cards and then like reap what I got back. I'd put all my money into <laughs> shoes and then reap what I got back. And so I didn't really have like a way to like constantly keep my money going. And so I had put all my money that I had saved for like investments or making more money into these fucking shoes. 
And I had to sit on them for like four months before they finally sold. And I was like, dude, I'm not doing shoes. Like this is too fucking stressful. They're too expensive. Like I, I have to like work way too hard on like offer up and Facebook marketplace to sell them. Like it's just not worth it. Um, what else have I done? Aside uh, from, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, too, go just, ahead. But uh, aside from like Reddit and discord, you know, those like, uh, platforms to see what's hot and such yeah. uh, where where else were you finding like these side hustles like yeah. why pokemon or how because i honestly am always curious when i hear these yeah. side hustles so the pokemon card one was because i as a kid loved pokemon cards and I had always kind of collected them and traded them and sold them to like other kids at school and stuff and so then when i got into college i was looking on ebay and i was like motherfuckers are selling Pokemon cards for like $200. And I'd look up, okay, what set is that from? You know what I mean? I find the set and I'd be like, okay, I can buy a box for like 120 bucks, which comes with like, I don't even remember like 12 or 20 packs of cards. And then the odds of you getting a card that was worth more, you know what I mean? And so I had like spreadsheets of like what, what boxes were like the most, I had the highest chance of buying or profiting off of. So I'd fucking spreadsheet it out. And then I'd be like, okay, I got to buy this box, this box, this box. And then I crack them open, you know, and do that whole thing. I mean, I don't even know if you want to call it a side hustle, but like I've tried to be a fucking YouTuber like three or four times in my life. Um, I was an online rapper for a while, um, which, yeah, we can talk about that <laughs> offline if you whoa, want. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm talking <laughs> about time, time. Send the link right now. I need it. I got to find no, it. Send like, it. Absolutely not. Send no, right the now. voice note, whatever it is. I need it, bro. I have to listen to it immediately. Like, I will listen to it in the car on the way to the gym tonight. Like, I need it. Hey, I was quite the little MC, okay? Just know that I was spitting bars. Back Dude, that's day. like finding out uh Cody did uh oh, gymnastics or whatever kind of <laughs> Dude, Is that not like the most bizarre, like random bizarre. thing? Bizarre. Well, both of you yeah. are bizarre as crap. That is crazy. It's awesome though. It's pretty I dope. It. It's like a it's a flex, like for sure. Is it? <laughs> Dude, it's like it's something like you you know, I mean like it, almost like an icebreaker you can mention in it, but like yeah, also yeah, yeah. just like yo, I did this shit. Like it's not it's it's definitely like not common. And it's just yeah. kind of cool. Like, you don't so, fuck with that. Like, get out. <laughs> yeah, the way that, like, that was, like, in high school, everybody knew that I was, like, a rapper. This was a common thing. Like, oh, at our school, we would have, <laughs> um, they'd do these things on Fridays where, like, they'd have literally rap battles, like, in the quad. So, like, we would just play beats on, like, the big-ass speakers that they would do for, like, your high school gymnasium fucking performance, basically. And then they had two mics, and you just rap battle whoever. And so I was pretty much, like, undefeated the whole time through like the whole career i had there from freshman year through senior year and it it i know it's it's funny now especially now because like i'm that's not like my vibe at all for what i do anymore but what at was a time your artist uh like instrumental sorry to cut you off but you, you have any go-to instrumentals you, you, you spit bars um, too <laughs> i mean kyle said give him any beat he's gonna I wanna, kill it doesn't I guess, matter like, any beat he'll kill it I, I was I was pretty fucking good. Okay. At one point I was like, there was a, a website back then called Rapt FM. So R-A-P-T dot FM. And that was uh a, like a live streaming service, kind of like Twitch, if you're familiar with that, but for rappers, and you would literally live stream like battle people from around the world. 
right? And then the audience would vote like who they thought won. So I'd get on that like every night was just like rap battling random dudes all the time. Uh, and to me, it was like to my advantage because I definitely used... up. Yeah, well, I and it's always like freestyling, especially in terms of rap. Like it's one of those things where it's like it's almost like a muscle. Like if you don't do it often, you lose it very quickly. And so you have to constantly be like practicing your like vocabulary, your flow, like understanding like different uses of words, how to like, you know, get yourself out of like a a rut or a dead end. But it's it's funny now, but to me, it's like I look at it as like even then I was practicing my skills that I use today. Like the reason why I'm able to think so quickly on my feet is because when I was fucking 13 to 17, I thought I was a little freestyle rapper. You know what I mean? Like I was constantly thinking on my feet. And bro, I'm not gonna constantly. lie, it makes so much sense, bro. It makes so yeah. much like it like knowing this now explains a lot of shit that I've thought about you. <laughs> over yeah. the past like year to two years bro I, I keep, like i'm not even trying to, i swear to god i'm not trying to be funny i i mean it with the all of my heart like i've just seen it all now like, Damn, that's why kyle gets some of the weird shit i say or it's like that's why kyle never is like a loss for words like he's always sitting himself in his head <laughs> Yeah, definitely like the clap back aspect of it because like uh, my like go to approach was basically what I called like the Eminem style, right? Where it's like I roast myself first. So every time like I go into a I went into a battle, I always opted to go first, and I would always just roast. I'm white. I'm fat. I have acne. I'm not that tall. I'm a goofy looking dude with like a straggly beard. Like let's just get all those out of the way. And then we'll go on the offensive, right? There you go. There you and, go. And, and, and then once you do that, it's pretty effective. Like, it's a pretty solid winning strategy. But from there, I mean, the way that I kind of, like, transitioned that to other things was, like, um, speech and debate. I did a debate called um, – it was called parliamentary debate, which basically you would get a topic about an hour before your round started. And you couldn't use the internet. All you could use were, like, books in the library – and you had to basically debate this topic and they would tell you whether you were for or against it. You didn't get to choose. They would be like, okay, Ben, in an hour, you're going to debate whether or not food stamps are a good thing. And you're going to be against food stamps. And you're like, okay, I got an hour to prep. And then you would just wing it right in front of like college professors, <laughs> um, sometimes like law school students. And then they would judge you based on like your arguments and how well you spoke and that kind of thing. So that was another thing of like thinking on my feet. And then the last step of that before getting into sales was uh, mock trial, which is like literally just like it sounds like you you have a case, you have a court case about like a made up crime that occurred. And, you know, I was on the um, I was always the defense side because that's just the side that I lean towards. When I was in college, I really thought I wanted to be I, even now, I think it'd be fun to be an attorney, but it was just way too expensive to go to law school and stuff. And so I kind of opted against it. Um, just didn't really make sense. And all my friends who were attorneys were like working like 60 hours a week and fucking hated their lives. And so I was like, eh, maybe not. Um, but anyways, back to mock trials. So I was our closing attorney. So I would give the closing arguments at the end and I never wrote a closing and everyone thought that that was crazy. And they were like, you're not going to write your closing. And I'm like, no, like I'm going to make it up based on what I hear in the trial. Like what more powerful of a speech to make than if I can use literally what the other side's saying in real time against them. If I pre-write the closing, I can't do that. Right. I have a script basically that I would have to follow. And it stressed the hell out of my team. They were nervous every time because they had no idea what I was going to say when I got up. But it worked out pretty well for us. We did all right. And so now in sales, it's like 
when I get into these conversations with like prospects and stuff, right. And like, I think I've heard a lot on like call recordings and stuff from some of the other guys where you guys get stumped and I'm like, ah, oh, well you just, you don't have that many, like literally for my life, it's been years at this point of practice of like having to think on my feet, having to be confronted with like awkward situations and thinking in the moment. And so it's funny that you say that Tyler, cause like, yeah, like I think about it now and I'm like, no, it definitely like helped like prepare me or prepare or teach me how to use some of the things that I do now and why exactly I'm never at a loss for words. I don't really get stumped. I'm able to clap back because <laughs> I've been in those situations before and like public speaking, right? Like nothing's more embarrassing than picking up a microphone in front of your fucking high school and rapping as a white kid. Like you're on blast, man. You better deliver or you're getting roasted Dude, for weeks. I was telling you right now, as a black man in America, if you come up there as a white man and you suck, that shit is the, you better be ready for all hell. Like I'm about to, I'm about to unleash all my ancestors on your ass. Like why would you get up here and try to do what we do? Like that's just I'm disrespectful. Yeah, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make you never want to do this shit again. So the fact that you had the balls to get up there and do it, and then on top of that, do it well, like I, more points to you, big dog. Yeah, I'll, hey, look, I'll, I'll link you guys quick. for sure. So you can you please can do. Let me know. But look, I got a que- I got a question for you. So I'm gonna tie the two statements, the two conversations we just had. So with all this stuff and selling all these previous items, and in the fact that Kyle's a rap battler, a uh, battle rapper, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So, <laughs> um, with those two things, I was having this conversation with one of my homeboys, and you mentioned Kyle. You mentioned that you got stumped with those shoes. Uh, and you sat on them for months and all this other fun stuff. So when it comes down to it, like I believe Reddit and all these things are awesome and they're dope. But we were having a conversation and, and saying that the thing that's more powerful than both of them is paying attention to hip hop news. Hmm. When it comes to being in sales of items, like actual physical items, um, like shoes, Pokemon cards, T-shirts, um anybody doing any type of like physical selling a a item even when it comes down to like i'm gonna just say a gatorade bottle right um we were joking and we were just like having a gen- like generic conversation saying like if you don't know what's going on in hip-hop news you could miss one of the biggest things to sell or you could be stuck in one of the worst ruts ever because for instance, I didn't find out about the Pokemon card selling thing uh, until it was on its tail end, right? And when it came down to that, um, I was on I was on Twitter, um, and I'm on Twitter, and everybody's like making fun of people that are selling uh, Pokemon cards, saying like, "Yo, y'all really out here jipping people for you know selling Pokemon cards?" And I was like. What's the situation on this? Next thing you know, three or four days later, everybody is just posting them losing money on Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, yep. Same thing with shoes. Like, if, and when it comes down to shoes, my man, he's one of my really uh, <clears throat> tight homeboys from college. He sells shoes. And I kid you not, all the shoes that he does decide to buy or and resale, he gets on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to see how people feel about the shoe before it releases. And they Smart. like it. They'll get on the, like, there's a, I can't remember the name of the junk that I follow, but there's like this junk where every time that the car, the shoe's about to release or as soon as the information comes out, they'll post a picture of the shoe in like three or four angles. And then they'll have like a, a 
fire emoji and a trash emoji. And yeah, people yeah, yeah. do the polls, right? Yeah, I was on so that when one. they do those, yeah, yeah you I mean you're familiar, like when people do those polls, he genuinely looks at them as like research. Versus me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm over there, like, yeah, let me tell them about my opinion. Uh versus he's like, shit, I want to know what people say about these because I'm I'm going to determine whether I spend four thousand dollars on these shoes and buy a whole lot of them, or I'm gonna just buy like two or three pair mm-hmm. and you know, a couple hundred bucks. So the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I think people don't, that's like the unspoken thing. Hip hop carries a lot of, or urban, whatever, you know, like just black culture as a general carries a large uh, wear and tear on like what's cool and what's not Absolutely. Um, in terms of like these reselling items, like selling things that already exist. Do y'all agree? Do you disagree? What's up? No, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I think that's one of the points that like, you know, um, Charles Gambino and kind of a lot of other like influential kind of black artists have made point of over the last couple of recent years is that like, like America as a whole steals so much from like black culture and like, uh, you know, whether it's dances, whether it's style, whether it's music, whether it's movies, whatever. And there oftentimes is like, uh, even a, a good callback here is like, have you seen the show The Office? So there's one scene where Dwight makes a gym in the office, right? And he says, the way to get it's anything successful in America is first, you got to get the black people to do it. Then the white people will copy. Then you got to get the black people to stop doing it. And then you can raise the rates. And it's a joke, but it's actually pretty fucking true when you think about it. Because that's the literally <laughs> <laughs> like that's the, the gritty. Bro, it's the green terrible, dead bro. ass. I hate that shit. I literally hate it. Like me and all my boys, homeboys hate it. Hate that shit. I can't stand it. <laughs> Things the dumbest dance since sliced bread. I I hate that shit. I I, I don't want to see it again. Every time I see it, it was a cool one day. Game, so I'm, like, hey. <laughs> I'm like, please stop doing this. Please find something new. Yeah, Let's so it, it it is very fascinating to me to see that because I take it from like the perspective of like it's very bizarre. That's. To, for me to see a lot of white people who will openly shit on minorities and other races, other cultures, other things, but then constantly try to imitate, copy, and like adapt from those. And it's like, you got to pay credit where credit's due. You know what I mean? And I don't know if you guys listened to the episode I had with Nick Barham, um, but that was a piece that he was talking about when it came to the blues that I thought was really <clears throat> fascinating about how the blues originated as almost like slave songs, right? These These songs of rebellion, these songs of being able to like, uh, persevere and have hope and, and soul still in these like terrible environments that they were in. And they had to, you know, find ways to sing about topics that were banned and, and get around kind of their masters from beating their ass just for singing a song. And so it's like, and, and it's crazy to me that like, we are only, you know, what, two, three generations removed from people who literally lived during that time. And we like to try to act like it was so long ago when like, it really wasn't, you know, it really wasn't. And I, it's very um frustrating i i don't I, i'm not one of these people though like that has like white guilt like i i'm not like oh my god i'm so sorry that i'm white and that you're that's, like that's like that's goofy thank, to me thank you. thank you yeah go ahead ben no i was just thinking like when you said white guilt i feel like there's some older generation or like parent generations of like white kids that have that um like, like, I don't know if you saw the the movie, the Netflix movie with Jonah Hill. I I'm terrible at remembering. Well, you names. uh for oh bro for you was it you know what I'm talking about? Really bro, I literally cool just watched it like a couple of days ago. I heard about really this cool movie, though, right? Oh yeah, it's got my girl Let's in it. it too. 
I got it. I got it. I got it. Hold on. Pull it up, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was literally just thinking about Rogan. <laughs> God, you man. people. You people. There you go. You oh, people. you people. Yeah. So, wait. Was Oh, so the mother and you people was like so like just over the top like extra with like the fact that jonah hill was dating a black mm. woman and like or like this black girl they brought home to like whatever like it hasn't this has been single for like a really long time in the movie and she was just like so weird about it like it wasn't uh it was just kyle what was the term you mentioned or you, you kind of mentioned uh the term about um older people and and forgiveness that's that's what you mentioned right like kind of like and forgiveness like she was basically almost like being like forgiving to the girlfriend in the uh Mm. in the movie and it was just like super awkward like it it just and like eventually it like created problems for jonah hill and like the fiance in the movie so um, that just kind of stuck out to me, like that yeah. movie. Kyle, I mean, Kyle, you definitely got to watch that one, by the way. Yeah, yeah I'll have to got, check it out. It, it's now, don't get me wrong. It is uh, a lot of people asked on it, or just because of the fact that uh, people from both sides were saying that like everybody in the movie was a little too extreme in terms of like these like their feelings and emotions, and I'm like, that's what movies are for. Like, mm. <laughs> it's supposed to yeah. it's supposed to paint like the the true feelings that people have in real life. They just don't do it because it's like yeah, there's actual repercussions to this shit. Um, so, mm-hmm. but it's a to me, it's a funny, very funny movie, and it's meant to be humorous. Uh, but it it kind of talks about shit that you know. <laughs> You don't really want to mention when you look at an interracial relationship sure. because it's like it's the reality of it. Like there are people like the people in the movie that do overstep uh, on both parties. Like there are people that are that are black that like see their their child with a person that's white and it's like overjudgmental on the white people in terms of them dating this black guy or this black woman and, and vice versa. So it's just I thought I thought the shit was I laughed. I thought it was hilarious. It's probably like one of my not my favorite movies, but one of my funniest movies uh in the past couple of weeks they just dropped. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting kind of that thing. I, I've seen that debate a lot around like on online discourse too, this whole idea of like um reverse racism or like white racism how do you feel about that tyler do you think that that's a thing because my my personal understanding of it from my background in political science and public policy is like one words matter and the words you choose matter so to me racism is a very specific thing right it's a systemic oppression of a person or people by the group in power so from my understanding of the word and kind of my knowledge background and my education it is literally impossible for a black person to be racist to a white person in that context right because black people aren't the ones in power they aren't the ones writing the laws they aren't the ones who have held the presidency fucking 49 times out of 50 or whatever it is you know what i mean and so to me i'm like that's goofy now can black people be prejudiced absolutely can they say i don't like white people because they like mayonnaise or they fucking smell weird or whatever, right? Like you can name like a whole bunch of weird, goofy, stereotypical reasons. Uh, you gonna get why. me banned, bro. You gonna get me canceled for laughing. Or <laughs> uh, but <laughs> and I think like that's 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 fair. And you can be like, oh, you shouldn't do that. But I think that conversation has really like 
fucking exploded. Like I, I remember the a couple months back, like Twitch, the website again, like was banning people for saying the word cracker because they said it was a racial slur. And I was like, what? Is is this where we're at right now? Like white fragility is at a at a point at a peak where like you can't say cracker because it's a quote racial slur. Like get the fuck out of here, bro. Are you kidding me? I, I don't know. So I'm curious on your perspective on that, Tyler. If like you think there's legitimacy to that, like there is, you know, some points where you're like, hey, y'all are going a little hard on the white people. They don't really need to be shit on that hard. Or is it more of like a we're just making shit up online? And it's not really a real thing. Bro, so I, I'm I'm literally split 50-50. The reason why I'm split 50-50 is because I live two totally different lives, right? I lived a life when I was in Rustburg, Lynchburg, Virginia, where over 50% of my friends were white. Mm. Uh, and these were people that I see every single day, hung out with every single day, did everything with. Like, the only people that weren't white in my life were family members. And I'm talking about, like, if you weren't my cousin you and you were my friend, you were probably white. So I grew up with a lot of people that uh, didn't look like me that I know don't mean harm. They just have trouble saying the right thing all the time. Like, mm. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of like a, you you kind of like teach them as things go on. And, and don't get me wrong. I went to college and then I was the complete opposite. I was I realized when I got to college, I was like, yo, there's so many more people in this world that look just like me. Mm hmm. Fuck that. I'm going to be with my people. You know, mm -hmm. and then you start getting into these environments where you grow, where like you hanging out with people that had totally different experiences than you in life. And now, and they don't like people that don't look like them, right? They just, they absolutely don't like them because they're reading these, reading these books and they're, just, they're learning all this knowledge of things that happened in the past. And they're like, yeah, nah, fuck white people because they did this to my ancestors and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. But that not to me, it's not productive in, in terms of just life. Um, so like I said, I'm kind of 50-50. Um, I do think um, when it comes down to it, like the statement you made on uh, being – being racist and being prejudiced are two different things. Like I don't think it's the how you say. It? I don't think it's by definition possible for somebody to be racist for somebody black to be racist. I don't think that is possible. Uh, but I like you said, I do believe it is possible for them to be prejudiced, and uh, I do think as well. The way I look at it is, I think it's all based on. Uh, what's right and what's wrong and what do you want to be as a human being in terms of uh, a productive person to society, mm -hmm. right? Like you will never catch me ever being prejudiced or being racist in, in those terms uh, because it's just like, I don't see that being productive. I, I don't. Now, do I, now, don't get me wrong. If I do see uh, somebody that doesn't look like me that doesn't that clearly acts against me purely off my race i'm gonna say some shit uh I, i'm definitely not i'm definitely gonna not let it slide i'm gonna definitely make sure that my feelings are known just as well as their feelings are known like sure. if you don't like me i don't like you okay fuck you like that's just that's how i am as a person but i'm not gonna just walk around and be like oh look at that look at that white person i don't like just because he's white like it's like that's not to me that's complete opposite of what I want for a future life for my kids and my grandkids and everything like that. I want it to be, to, to be, I want to be that person that's just like, look, 
I don't look at you for your cover color. I look at you for your personality. You know, what I look at you for the type of character you have, whether or not that you are being an upstanding human being. I don't care about a citizen. I just want you to be an upstanding human being. I want you to be a respectful, kind person. Uh, and that's going to determine whether I like you or not. Your char- What is your character? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes down to those things, that's all I care about. But uh, I definitely agree with your statement before. I don't think it's possible for somebody uh, Black to be, by definition, racist. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's kind of an issue that we have more in, like, the social media era or, like, the modern times of that we live in is, like, words are meaning nothing anymore like people are just like swapping shit in and out for whatever makes them feel good like for example the word woke right there's another classic one that you know historically as i'm sure you're familiar with started in like the black community to mean a very specific thing and now the like right-wing fucking weirdos of the internet just mean it to mean like anything i don't like is woke like what the fuck it's not just a synonym for i don't like that dumb fuck you don't just slap like they're like oh woke joe biden and i'm like do you shut the fuck up uh another one that pisses me off communist everyone's a communist if you're fucking to the left of donald trump you're a communist and it's like dude no like words mean something the english language has a vast plethora that's a big one for some of you dumbasses out there of options to use. And so maybe learn a few of them besides like these five that you just throw in for anything and everything. Cause it's really annoying to try to have a conversation with some people when they're just like, well, you're a communist and you're woke and you're a libtard. And it's like, all right, dude, like you told me everything I need to know about you in like two sentences. Like, and so it gets very frustrating for me when I try to like explain what I, this conversation we just had to like, um, family members or other people that I've like known in my life, you know, other white people. And I'm like, no, they literally cannot be racist. And they're like, well, you're just liberal. You're just a fucking libtard. You don't understand that black guy at the store today called me whitey and said I should fucking die because I was a, you know, I'm probably a descendant of the clan. And it's like, yeah, he was being prejudiced. He's not being fucking racist. Did he take your voting rights away, grandpa? Did he fucking remove you out of the fucking registration document? Did he did he tell you what neighborhood you could live in? No, jackass. He doesn't have that power over you. So that's not fucking racism. Stop it. You're being dumb. It's that kind of stuff like irks me to know mm, 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 going on tangents but yeah oh i can <laughs> see i can see we go we can clearly, clearly i want to mention something um so just like i mentioned i'm from medford new jersey the very small town um outside of philly and it's i probably had like four black kids in my my class growing up like in high school and um, my parents moved to Richmond, Virginia, in the city. Um, and it, I honestly had really no like kind of clue on terms of like, I got, you know, I just I didn't really have much understanding of you know black culture. I'm just gonna be real, coming out the gates here. And man, being with a hell of a culture shock. Yeah, literally, dude. I, yeah, so like literally moved into the city, like I think it was pretty much I'm like on VCU's campus or whatever. My parents have a house and um it's in a nice little pocket neighborhood uh, with a bunch of VCU students. Um and I mean we, we did it for in state tuition or whatever, you know, save some money. But oh, um so I was doing this door-to-door job and I was just selling pest control. Um and 
you know, you, you do your rounds around the city. I'm going in, you know, majority like white neighborhoods. Uh, the, the people are complete fucking assholes. I hate my life every day. It's 80 to 90 degrees. I'm sweating my balls off and I'm getting told to fuck off and I'm getting the cops, the cops called on me. And I'm just, you know, it sucks. Then I go over to, you know, the East Virginia or East Richmond side and I'm in the black neighborhoods and everyone's like giving you the time of day. And this is new to me because I, you know, grew up in a small town like I mentioned already. And I, I loved it like every day. Like, I mean, maybe I wasn't making sales sometimes, but like we would be like hanging out. I'd be getting water bottles from, um, you know, the black folks over on that side of town. And it was awesome. Like uh, it was like the coolest thing for me um, to have that experience, just being, having my bubble popped. You know, I grew mm -hmm. up, we always call my like med, the Medford bubble because it's a small town and you're only dealing with a lot of white people. So um, and it also just to me, I wanted to bring it up the fact that door to door, you're getting cursed out by white people. And then a lot of the black people for the most part are just like giving you the time of day, asking me you how you're doing, no, or if you ask them how you're doing, they're, they're being nice. So it's just something that was really cool that I got to I'm experience. Gonna tell you what I believe. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I can't hear right now. Your, your, mic, your mic's getting goofy, Tyler. Is it really? There you go. All right. I said I, I didn't grow up in the hood. I'm not going to act like I did, but I, I'm definitely familiar with uh, areas like such, like you mentioned. And I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. the reason why you got the time of day. If I lived in those areas and I see a young man that looks like you come up to my door and you knock, <laughs> let me see what he's talking about. Because he obviously is desperate. He needs some help. So <laughs> let me see what this young man got to say because he got some balls for being over here. <laughs> so yeah. so I right that. now, like that's that's the first thought I had. I was like, damn, you had some balls for going over there. Cause I I I would have thought about it. I know I would have. I would yeah. like, damn, do I really want to do this? Yeah, I guess so. Like so that's why it's so it's so fascinating for me to like hear your guys' like childhood experiences because like one of the things that I didn't really even notice that was like unique or I guess nice about California was like, I've been exposed to all different kinds of people from like the time I was in preschool, like all the way through high school. Like, you know, we always had Asian kids and Mexican kids and black kids and white kids. And you know what I mean? Like people from literally all around the world live here. And so I've always kind of been exposed to different like cultures and different backgrounds and different types of people. And so like, I really didn't have that like big culture shock um, that you talk about in that terms, like the biggest culture shock I had going to college was more of like an ideological culture shock. Um, mm. Whether that be, you know, the LGBT community that I was talking about with like my roommates or like literally like right wing fucking nut jobs who would like come from, you know, Kansas or wherever the fuck uh, to art to go to school here. And, you know, here they came along with their like rootin' tootin' cowboy ass having opinions. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> You ain't in fucking Kansas no more. You can't be saying shit like that. Like you're gonna get your ass beat. Like, and I'm not even meaning by like someone else. like I'm gonna beat your ass if you keep saying shit like that. You're making me angry. <laughs> so it's very interesting. And and I and I've done a lot of like growth too, like personally, like I, trying to fucking expose myself, I guess. But like in high school and stuff, like all my um, black friends and even in college would be like, oh, Kyle's got the pass. But like now, the idea of that like makes me like physically cringe. 
Like I'm like, mm, that no, mm -mm, I don't think that we should ever be doing that. Quite frankly, pass or no pass, don't be using certain words. Bro, I ain't, I'm gonna tell you right now, I've never given a pass, never will give a pass. And the reason I believe that is because <laughs> if, you, if, if I even if I do <coughs> fuck with you enough to give you a pass, and you are comfortable enough to say that shit, I'm gonna rock your world. I'm gonna I'm I'm show you what all ten of these numbers got. And I'm, I'm going to make you never want to speak again. Because, like, no, nah, I don't care if I give you a pass. This It's just the strength of, I don't know. I'll invite you to the cookout all day, but you're not getting the pass. You're not getting the pass. Like, that's just, it's just never going to work in my world. I don't, I don't understand. It, it does feel like that's, like, phasing out, though, too. Because, nah, like, cause I think that there was, um obviously, uh, I'm speaking from, like, my perspective. I don't, I, caveat. I am not black. I cannot speak for the black experience in America, nor am I trying to. But <laughs> when I was in uh, middle school and high school, it felt like a lot of the times, like there was a lot of pressure on like my black friends to like be accepted by everyone. And so they didn't want to like ruffle the feathers or like rock the boat. Right. And so like if a bunch of like, the, like on the football team, for example, like everybody would say the N word, not like hard R, but like with an A, which I mean, we're not even gonna get into all that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't gotta, yeah, you don't gotta explain it. Not, not here. Not here. <laughs> and so everybody, and it was like everyone's like, oh yeah, like it's chill, it's fine. The one that always though confused me though, I don't. Maybe you could talk to this. Why is it that like Mexicans or Hispanics use oh, that word? Oh, 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 oh. Hey, look, all my Hispanic brothers and sisters, I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna go out there and say that I love all y'all. I really, really do. I really do. I really love y'all from the depths of my heart. There's a lot of things we relate on. But let me go out on the limb and say this right here. I have gotten in so many arguments, and none of my homeboys know this, but before I was friends with any of them, I've gotten in, I can't even tell you how many fights over mm. the fact that somebody that is Hispanic thinks that they can say that and just get away with it. It's very common here. It's very common uh, in California. I worked with a cat at the dealership. Me and him, was we had gotten really tight. I had just met him at the dealership. We were both brand new. We started the same day. We were, you know, we we're probably like a year into our car sales thing. And we had been to car shows together. He was riding a my car. He helped me pick my first car. I helped him uh, do some work on his car. Like, we were, we were tight. We were tight. Um... I don't know what happened. Oh, he invited me to a car show. Me and him are hanging out, and his homeboys come around. And they get the fire in it. I mean, they just firing it off. Like, yeah, my, yeah, my, yeah, bro. Nah, him. Like, he a real. And I'm like, ho, oh, oh, wait a minute. So I'm sitting there trying to do the math. I'm like, all right, it's three of them. It's one of me. How am I to whoop all three of the ass? Because I, because my body just can't. My body just can't. I can't let it go. Like I just, I, I, where I grew up, I got called this at five years old. Like I, mm. my first time being called that was I was literally five. It was the third day of uh, of kindergarten. I get on the school bus. This girl said, "Nah, that n word can't sit next to me." And then I go and I sit in the middle of the bus and I'm crying all the way throughout the. That whole entire bus ride throughout school. My mom came pick me up from school early. Like it was, it was a like a horrible experience. I don't have a good experience with that word, and I'm just I can't let it fly. So that's my my piece of advice to a lot of people out there is if you uh 
if your homeboys give you a pass, if anybody give you a pass, I don't, I can't speak for them, right? They feel comfortable with you saying it. That's cool. But just keep in mind that shit is not for public. That shit is not for public. That shit is not to be said anywhere outside of the confines of where can't nobody here but you and that person that gave you a pass. Because I'm telling you right now, if it's said around me, there's a 95% chance you're going to get knocked the hell out. And that's just, I'm I'm not the only person in the world like that. Like, there's a lot of people that I grew up with. Like, every single one of my cousins is the same way. All of us. Because we all had the same experience with the word. We don't have mm-hmm. good experiences with the word. So you, <laughs> so when it comes to anybody that is not clearly, even, even I've, shit, I've gotten into it with some kids that I didn't even know were black. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they're, 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 well, shit. We're, we say white passing mixed kids. You know, you look at them and anybody looking at them, they think they was a white kid. Mm-hmm. The whole time they're mixed. Um, Man, I'm trying to tell you, I have almost gotten into it deep with a lot of those kids. And they're like, bro, my dad is black. I'm like, there's no way, bro. You say that shit again, I'm going to kill you. Like, <laughs> they're like blowing like, up their fucking family photos. Like, <laughs> no, it really came down to it. They're like, no, look, for real. Like, it's my dad. And I'm like, okay, all right. Okay, all right. <laughs> still, still not that careful. cool, though. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, still be careful because it, it's <laughs> – it's interesting about the whole like white passing thing because like that's kind of like I I I don't know if you guys know but like I'm half Hispanic right like my last name should be Pena still news to me still news to me I still uh, yeah even knowing for a year this information is still wild to me but I, I'm with you <laughs> yeah and so it's like because of that though and because like I I've never really like identified with that culture like I don't go around saying like oh I'm Hispanic and like try to like push myself into those like circles and stuff because i'm like that wasn't my experience right like my lived experience is not that of like a hispanic kid or like knowing any sort of harm or prejudice or any of the negatives or or positives that come with that you know what i mean like the most experience i have with like our culture is like my grandma makes tamales every christmas that's about it like we don't really we don't speak spanish we don't really look hispanic like my grandma uh and grandpa are like you know darker skin tone and my, and my uncle is but like my dad me all my brothers and sisters like you would think we're we're white like they, they, you would not know until you know you have to get the whole fucking family history about why our last name changed and all that um and so yeah i've always been like that's not that's not my experience so i'm not going to like take credit for that but i have noticed that with like the <laughs> mexican kids and hispanic kids where they would like throw it around i'm like that's so interesting because the argument that i was told from my black friends at the time was like oh like those who suffered with us and struggled with us you know basically if you if you've been through that struggle with white people then it's okay basically like they gave them like the all good but then you know i that's definitely like a case-by-case basis though because then you i talk to people like you who are like no that don't be don't, using that shit. No, I mean, I think, too, it also has to do with the fact that, like, where you grow up, right? Because I, sure. like, yeah, I'll tell you sure. this, much, right? There was a kid in my school, and if, I don't know why in the hell he would watch this, but Miguel Trejo, if you hear this, brother, much shout out to you. I ain't gonna <laughs> never forget this man's name. So he was the only Hispanic person I've ever met, and his little brother, Mario. Um, they, they the only two Hispanic people that I've ever met in my life pre-college. Like, I swear to not, I'm convinced that they were the only two Hispanic people that was at our school, unless I just I didn't know these other people. There was other Hispanic people there. Um, but the point of me bringing them up is 
the reason why I feel the way I feel is because I didn't interact with a lot of Hispanic people. Like, yeah, Miguel was on my basketball team, and I spent mad time with him every single day and every year. But at the same time, it was like, uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he had a pass mm. with, like, everybody. Because he was, like, again, he was the only Hispanic dude at the school. So a lot of the shit that we went through, it felt like he went through it, too, because he just wasn't white. He didn't look but like this. And yeah, and at the same time, me now as an adult with different outlooks and different knowledge and things like that, I still wouldn't, I still don't change my opinion on it. Like it just is like, but I see a lot of those people from like California, they grow up in a school where it's like all these different cultures and they would just give it out to everybody that was not white because they're like, hey, look, we all going through the same shit. It feels like a lot of, the, we're, we're the minority and they don't like us. So it, it, they, they, they pass it around. A it is interesting people. though because like there definitely was never like such black and white like levels of racism that like you guys like talk about or like even separation you know what i mean like there's not really like a time that i can think of where it was like oh like black kids or mexican kids or asian kids like got shit on by like the white kids because to be honest with you the people who outnumbered everybody was the mexican kids but they are outnumbering everybody in our schools so they're the majority then the next is probably, you know, the white kids. And then, yeah. But I mean, the, the biggest like shock I got for um, that, like definitely like the race thing, which sorry, Ben, I mean, this is like dominating the conversation. I feel like you haven't got to. No, you're good. But, what's like, your, hey, look, real quick, real quick. What, what's, what's your opinion on all this, Ben? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Be careful, <laughs> but what's your opinion? I don't want you to get canceled. That's why I'm saying be careful. Not for me. Uh, I got love for you. I was I actually just having a thought, dude. I was just having a thought. Um, I, I want to know what your opinion was on like, so I was at the gym. I'm not going to say any names, but I was at the gym. This is memory blue kid. Actually. He's from like, he has some kind of like, I don't, his, you know how Nova it's very diverse. You have people from like, uh, you can tell they have that like actual, like, like the African culture, like with like, I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but it's, it, it's, you can tell like he's got some kind of, um, very African background and, and name. Um, but he was calling, like, I was working out with him at the gym and he was calling his boy, white kid. He's like, my, you know, said the word, calling him. What's your thought on, on that? Cause I, I just, I don't know. I guess just, I just want to hear it. Like, if you got any opinion on that, that's what, my, what I was thinking about. Are you, are you go ahead? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, you waiting on me? You wait. Oh, you asking me? Yeah, my. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. You asking me? <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh man, my. He was just like shouting it, is... it out through the gym, like. And I my was opinion like, on it is he's stupid. Um, and if he hears this, come talk to me. You, I'm in Perry <laughs> Blue Office Tuesday through Thursday. Come holler. At me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm on Jackson Franco's team. But anyways, uh <laughs> just doxing everybody on this bitch. I mean, they should they they can know. I like Team Franco. But Miguel, no, uh, Jorge and, and his brother Mario, <laughs> they live at 1223 West Sing Lane. What? Shout out I'm putting more, I'm putting Lynchburg on the map. But no, in all seriousness though, like in my opinion, I think it's dumb. Mm. Um yeah, I get I why he does it. Definitely feeling that. I get why he does it. I mean, the reality of it is, is, like, me moving up to Nova, I realized, like, Kyle, I hate to do this, but to me, Nova is my, is, like, my only equivalent to what I, what you're explaining in, like, California. Hmm. 
right? Yeah. So like when you explain California, that's how I see Nova because it's like it's tons of diversity. There's people from all different places, so things get thrown around a lot more freely up here. That's what DC brings, though. That's what. That's what DC brings because no one in DC is really from DC, right? Like the majority of people yeah. have moved there from somewhere else in the they world. They just see a postcard, and then they kind of like push out into Virginia, and then where they go is Nova. Like that's just where they end up most of the time. I mean, yeah. So my that's that's what I'm saying. So like my my opinion on it is not the strength of he know. I I, I look at it as like he knows no other. He knows no better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he, he doesn't know that that shouldn't be done. Um, and if he's comfortable with it and it's like his homeboys are comfortable with it, that's all up to him. But again, I just don't think it's for public because he's yeah. setting his friend up for failure, like in all reality. Yeah. Uh, like I've seen many like and this is in D.C. I've seen white. I've seen people when I was like 18, 19, I was real new to the area. And I was like trying to figure out this whole like what is this city shit going on? Like there's people everywhere on every corner. I've seen people get their ass whooped in D.C. Uh, because. Of a similar situation, you go to a club, you go to a bar, you get drunk, you with your homies, right? Two or three of them is is of one nationality, the other two or three is from a different nationality. They get to talking like they at the crib, they get to talking like they're at home, and they just <laughs> they just throwing around whatever the hell they want to call. Say, they saying the they saying the b word, they saying the n word, they saying whatever. As soon as they slip up and say the n word, and the wrong people here, next thing you know, all six of y'all is getting y'all's ass together. And it's just it's it's because you're setting your friends up for a just a bad time. Like yeah, that was my thought it, it, too. Home. Like when you're when you're calling, you know, th this kid was calling his boy that. Like I feel like it's <laughs> eventually like it could that I don't know if like that kid has the past with his friend, but like it's just like setting also your friend up for failure potentially. Like if you're calling him that, like you might reciprocate or. You know, bro. Yeah. You know, what if you like now? What if you would have slipped up and said this shit back at the gym? Like, yeah, my woo. Yeah. Now, I, now both of y'all is getting banged upside the head with a forty-five pound plate, and it's it's nobody's fault but yours, bro. It's nobody's fault. But yours. You did it to both. Yeah, of it's them. no. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a mess. So, yeah. Honestly, other than that, I no, not much thoughts on it. I'm just kind of. <laughs> I'm a. You know, just like, fly on the wall. You're flying on the wall. My fault. Kind yeah. of cut you off, though, bro. I wanted to make sure. <laughs> I wanted to see what Ben had to feel about it. No, no it's good. It, it it is interesting. It's it's definitely a different perspective to have. I mean, I'm one that's like, I don't know. I'm never gonna swing first in any sort of situation just because I don't want to go to jail. I'm a bitch. I'm gonna be honest. I'm diabetic. I would die probably. They ain't gonna give me insulin. It's gonna be a bad time. I ain't doing it. But. uh <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got it their own thing and it's ultimately at the end of the day though ben like i think it's one of those things where like it comes down to the individuals right like i think that's kind of like the main takeaway is like there is no universal rule there is no overarching like here are the three steps to not be offensive to people who don't look like you like you're just it, it's gonna always kind of be yeah. like a case-by-case -case basis and i think the thing that you need to lean towards most often in situations is like empathy like how would i feel if i were them in this situation and i didn't know anything about me like would i be comfortable exactly. with this or not and if the answer is no then you know, just be quiet don't say it use yeah. different words that's kind of the way that i've I learned you know especially like going from high school to college and like being exposed to like different people because like in high school i was like very ego like more like i'm egotistical as it is 
You don't got to tell me. I know. I'm a narcissist. Big I love it. Red. <laughs> big red, big red energy, feeling myself all the time. But in high school, it was like dialed up to like 12. Like it was bad, like real bad. <laughs> oh, right. I really God, you. know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It was like there was two types of people. They either love me or they hate me. There was no in between. A very diverse figure. And like Dude, that college, rapping was probably therapeutic for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. And then college, it was like the biggest thing I learned that wasn't academic, which sounds goofy though, was was empathy. And like learning how to really understand like where people come from from different backgrounds, different ideas, different beliefs, um, all that kind of stuff. And like really putting yourself in other people's shoes and being like, okay, like how would I feel if they I were them and I lived through this experience, et cetera. And especially like in learning politics, like I, I'm very thankful for like my first politics teacher we had. She was an adjunct professor. So she wasn't like a regular professor that we would normally have at our school, but she taught um, intro to American politics, but her specialization was in race politics. So for all the conservatives get triggered, CRT, baby, that's right. Critical race theory was front and center. And she really broke down though, how like the whole last pretty much 70 years of policymaking in government in our country has had some effect of, of race and racism on the general public, right? Whether that's redlining laws, whether that's voting laws, whether that's, um, you know, the fact even that like, if you've gone to prison, you can't vote anymore, or you're not qualified for certain jobs, that sort of thing, right? All of these measures, the war on drugs, um, the fact that, you know, crack cocaine is charged at a different uh, penalty rate than powdered cocaine. They're the same exact drug. It's just a difference in how you, you ingest it. Right. And the, what they found, like this is a perfect anecdote or example of this is as that, you know, in the black community, it was more common for crack cocaine to be used. They smoke it in a pipe rather than powdered cocaine, which rich white assholes use and snort it up their noses or, you know, or rub it on your gums or whatever you do. Right? Party on. I'm all for all drugs. Do your thing. But the government said crack cocaine, we're going to punish like 10 times harder than we do powdered cocaine. And there's really no reason for that, right? It's the same fucking drug. It's the same thing. Um, marijuana, the, that whole thing was like a war against the Hispanic population and the black population. Like all these different policies that we've had throughout this country, the majority of them, unfortunately, have their roots in in some sort of racist undertones and so that's why i get very frustrated when people uh specific specifically white people that i know in my life who, who are trying to be like oh i don't get it like why do they have so much to complain about they live in the greatest country on earth and everything's so great and we have freedom and this that and the other and it's like yeah but like you didn't have the fucking government's boot on your neck for like 80 years or 100 years Right. Like you started and didn't have that. Like that, my thing is like um, white privilege was like a hot take that used to get talked about a lot when I was younger. Um, the, they've kind of moved on from this culture war talking point. But white privilege to me was never that like I got special benefits because I was white. It was that I didn't have to deal with certain dog shit situations because I was white. That's white privilege. Not that I was ahead or better than you. It's just that I've never been in a situation where someone looked at me and thought, hmm, maybe he's dangerous. Mm, maybe I don't trust him. Maybe he makes me feel some type of way just by how I look. That's just not something I've encountered. Uh, except for the one time I had a shaved head and a beard. I was I got some looks. People were thinking. They were like, yo, this guy's a skinhead. I can see it. Like, no, no, that's not what we're going skinhead for. Energy. That's Man. not what we're going for. <laughs> But uh, but that has always been frustrating to me because I'm like, why are you like so upset that people say you have white privilege when like you do, you inherently do. It's not a bad thing. It just means you haven't had to deal with certain situations that other people have. That, that's all it is. Um, and so that's kind of a tangent on that, though. But 
it's a weird world, man. We live in, in really weird times. And I think like going back to that original point with like, you know, how does people interact, the guy at the gym, et cetera, uh, my friends in college and our high school and stuff like we we're, we're moving past that. We're getting a lot more educated. And I think a lot of more people are having kind of their voices heard in these spaces and kind of from these communities who are like, Hey, like that kind of stuff, like doesn't make me feel comfortable. I really would prefer if like, you don't do that. Uh, and they're being taken more seriously, which, you know, a lot of people will be like, Oh, that's woke. That's fucking you're, you're catering, you're pandering, whatever. And it's like, no, nah, it's just being a nice person. You jackass. Like mature. Yeah, exactly. It's maturing. <laughs> a human being. I mean, it's like, human being. <laughs> yeah. If like, I always say like, if the past you like, doesn't make you cringe, like you haven't grown enough. Like you should always look back at the you five, 10 years ago and go, yikes, I was really doing some shit, but like, I'm not no more and we're getting better, you know? And I'm sure there'll be some stuff that even now that I'll look back <laughs> on in my thirties and be like, yikes, bro. But, I'm just thinking about like a cutout of like a perfect human being. Like <laughs> you just had the, like, he's always been perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be. That's what I'm going for at fucking like 70. I'm going to be sitting there like I have achieved it. I am perfect. I am everything. <laughs> yeah. But nah. go ahead. Yeah. No, nah, I was just going to say like, I, I think I, I definitely agree with you. I think that's the, the epitome of everyone's goal in life. Uh, that's all. I, I'm going to be honest. That's all I care about when it comes down to like day to day shit. Like, I just want to make sure that I'm, literally am some type of better than i was yesterday now i will tell you like don't get me wrong i'm human i have fuck-ups there are moments where sometimes i will relapse back to when i was 21 and i might smash <laughs> or i might want to fight you or you might say something that triggers me and next thing you know i'm 18 again so i'm not gonna act like i'm not a, a human being but i will say like my main overall goal as an adult now is to just be be better each year. I don't want to be in the same shit that I was doing last year. I yeah. sometimes don't even want to be with the same people that I was with last year because I just realized like it's just <laughs> not for the betterment of myself. Yeah. Um. On terms of those the topics we've been discussing, like I I was just thinking about the younger um, generation and like I, I feel like they have a, a lot better of a grasp on like those things that we discussed. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Then again, there's some things that I'm also, and I don't mean to judge, like, obviously it's like, I'm only like, I'm 23, almost 24, not much of an age difference, but, um, and I still act like I'm 12 sometimes. So like, with that said, I just want I hear things from my best friends, I guess, like cousin who has a, a 12 year old son and a seven year old son and like my hometown and, and they're being taught these things like about not being able to, or they're being taught about like transgenders in, in school and stuff like that. And just being taught a lot of things like where at that age, like I just, I never, we never had that. So I, like, there's a lot of things that there, a lot of different changes and a lot of more power to them. Um, and honestly, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. I'd love to hear that. And you have any other, experience with maybe even younger family members if you have some stuff definitely would like to be enlightened from what you know <laughs> yeah i mean for me i have three uh or yeah three younger siblings i had a thing i'm like how many siblings do i have um and one of them who's a senior in high school one's a junior and then one is like 
she's like i think she's like 22 now maybe 21 she's like out on her own doing stuff so chloe the the second the the oldest of them she definitely was like a little bit more online than i was um social media definitely played like a bigger role in her life and stuff in school but like the curriculum hadn't really changed yet like what you're talking about like where like she was literally learning different things that was has been more apparent in like my little brother's um age group and for him the thing that i thought was most fascinating was like they started teaching them spanish in like middle school like we didn't even get introduced to foreign language till i was in high school um and like i think even it was like elementary school too they like had like some like introductory foreign language classes um computer science was being offered in middle school which was like not a thing at all we didn't have computer science at all in my school high school middle school nothing um in terms of like the gender stuff like transgenderism or like lgbt or that kind of thing i think that's pretty normal i mean it's kind of one of those things like a, a good anecdote or example from this is that um you know and you know, a common thing you'll hear is like oh it's growing right the the gays and the transgender and everybody they're, they're growing at such an alarming rate like where are all these these gays coming from they're flying out of the woodworks it's terrifying and it's like no that it's actually yeah. not what the case is what the case is is more akin to like if you look at the historic rates of left-handed people in the country right if you look back before the 70s the rate of left-handed people is very low like very low and the reason for that is they used to literally beat you in school for writing with your left hand they would smack it with a ruler until you learned how to write with your right hand and right it seems fucking goofy now but this is something we literally used to do and so they used to mandate that you write with your right hand and then after a while we realized that's fucking psychotic and that some people are just left-handed and so just let them write with their left hand you fucking weirdos and so we stopped doing that. And oh my God, all of a sudden the rate of left-handed people skyrocketed. Well, it's not that there was all of a sudden more left-handed people. It's just that they weren't punished for it anymore. So they could openly be left-handed, right? Now that is a perfect analogy for gays, transgender, all these different sexualities that we're seeing is like now more than probably the only other time I can think of in history where we've been this accepting would have been like peak Renaissance era, right? Like where everything was great, the golden age of humankind history, where we were just painting, having orgies and fucking in bathhouses and like everyone was fucking everyone <laughs> like that. They were gay. They were bi. They were trans. They were doing fucking whatever. No one gave a fuck because life was good. We're finally kind of reaching that point where like. We're good. Society is pretty stable for the most part. We have like food and, you know, we have housing and shelter and like eh, we got a lot of issues to work on. But for the most part, like society overall is doing pretty well and so with that comes these different expressions of sexuality and gender identity etc but we're also more accepting of them where we're not gay bashing isn't a thing anymore right like if you're a gay kid in school you're not getting beat up for it hopefully i mean dear god i hope not like yeah. you're it's a lot more common like i don't even remember like at our high school like we had like a lgbt uh alliance club you know what i mean and in college that was like a big thing too and so like as inclusion is becoming more and more widely accepted, more and more people who otherwise were in the closet or in the shadows, if you will, are going to come forward and be like, I too feel this way. I too am gay. I too am bi. I too am trans, et cetera. Therefore, I think it's a good thing that these kids learn about it because that way you don't end up like me and you're in college at fucking 18, 19 years old. And you're like, what the fuck? What is this? I you you can do that? Like I didn't even know that like that kind of person existed. And it's like no, they of course they exist. You just weren't told about it, right? So I think the younger you can tell people or educate our our kids about it, the better because kids don't have prejudice. Kids aren't racist, kids aren't homophobic. That shit is taught. 
right? Like they are taught to be afraid of people who don't look like them, of people who don't have the same sexuality as them. All that kind of stuff is feared, fear mongered into them by either, you know, religion or their parents or whatever. Uh, and so it's at those ages that you're the most accepting and that you're the most open to kind of learning these kind of concepts, right? And it helps prepare them too, because if they think that like, that's not possible, you know, then they end up with Catholic priest situations where that little boy was never told that there was such thing as a gay person. So he never even had it in his mind that a man could want to touch him that way. So he didn't even know that it was something wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so these kind of things that we kind of frame as like, oh, it's not good to teach these kids this thing because you're exposing them to these hedonistic fucking teachings. And oh my God, we can't talk about sex. No, you're protecting those kids by giving them the knowledge of like, this is what consent is. This is how people should be like touching you. This is how you say no, right? These are the different ways of people can express themselves. All that is like, knowledge that they're gonna need in the real world anyways you're doing nothing from sheltering them from it and i think it's really doing a disservice to kids to act like they're not mature enough or not capable enough to understand these concepts when kids are way fucking smarter than we give them credit for hands down at every age across yeah the they're it's not almost dumb. it's almost like uh the bdrs being pretty smart and then you have your aes who so exactly dude, that that was really solid like i was enlightened one and two um now nah, like it's just like i i don't have much perspective on that given that i don't have i don't i have a good amount of younger cousins but i'm not as close with them i don't talk to them often so like i my buddy was telling me about that like his his younger cousin and all that and he was kind of like almost I won't mention his name. He's a little bit outraged. And I was like, I mean, you know, times are changing. Like, it's just, it is what it is. And like um, the whole awareness thing too, just like the fact that it's, it's not really just people they're coming, they're, they're falling from the sky. It's just the acceptance, <laughs> you know, like it's just yeah. a thing. Um, and it's awesome. My uh, sister is lesbian. So it's like, it was so great to like finally kind of just hear from her and have her be comfortable. Like, I think it was about three or four years ago she came out to mm -hmm. me and I was just like, dude, let's fucking go. Like, you know, like, I mean, it can kind of, it, you know, like how we were saying earlier, like, Oh, Kyle, you, you do this and this, this makes sense. So with her same thing, I'm like, wow. Like, you know, some of these tendencies back in the day kind of get it now. Like I'm very mm -hmm. happy for you. I love you. Nothing's changed. Like, so it's just like, it's uh, definitely, you know, I'm happy for the steps that society's taking. And sometimes I wish some of the older people, um, another, hopefully, I mean, not hopefully, they're, they're times taken for them, but I, it's just like, you want them to <laughs> like, you know, just have a, I don't know, just open mind. There's yeah, a my lot parents of are the same way. Have that. My parents are the same way. Like they are those, my, my parents, or don't get me wrong, don't nobody go bashing my parents because you're gonna catch these hands. But my my <laughs> parents are my parents are like Southern Baptist people. And my like my parents uh sometimes will be like, it's a lot of it on TV. It's a lot of it everywhere. And like don't get me wrong, like I understand their point. Uh, but I think me living in Nova is like also the other part of it is like yeah like it, it but in reality it is everywhere like you it, it like you can't run away from it it's everywhere uh it's just not prominent at home so my mm. parents turn tv and see it on every tv show they see they're like yeah this is everywhere and i'm like yeah because if you move to dc 
which my parents are very familiar with DC and like other cultures and stuff. But if I'm like, if y'all lived here every day, you would see that it's literally everywhere. It's just like in real life as it is on TV. So me and my parents uh, like used to like would have conversations about it when I first moved up here. Cause I was like, I'm, I was kind of like you, Kyle. I was like, people are walking around with flags and like, they got like rainbow shirts and like, what is going on? And my mom and my dad be like, Tyler, it's okay. Like you live there. That's what people do. Like it's that that's that's not Rustburg. Welcome to not Rustburg. And it's like, okay, uh, this is interesting. Uh yeah, sure. This is different. You know, and I had to get used to it. Um, I I only the only thing I, I'll play is devil's advocate is like, do y'all think it's uh do you think it's a little confusing for these kids though? Confusing people, how I said that I've had people say that too for these kids. It's like, yo, it could be very confusing for these children to be taught this stuff at such a young age and uh, yeah now they're getting I, these thoughts in their head about what they are when that shouldn't be the focus of a child it should yeah be, be here's, focus. here's my rebuttal to that um what disney movie do you know doesn't show a princess getting kissed by a boy at the end of it how old are they when they were watching those we've been so okay with pushing them to be straight this entire time no one's ever raised that question yeah but now if it's a girl and a girl kissing on the movie, we got an issue. If it's a boy and a boy, we got an issue. And so the thing is, is like you're not you're not actually yeah. afraid about the message. You're afraid about who the message is about. Yeah. And so that's really the core of the argument. Right. Um, and so that's where I think a lot of people have to be a little bit more honest about themselves or what are you really afraid of? What are you really worried about? Is it the kids? Like, right. So like a, a common one right now is like transgender is like in the news 24 seven fucking seven days a week, all the time, 20, like, here we go. Um, because it's, it's the latest culture war issue, right? It's something that conservatives have found a little bit of traction on transgenderism is one of those things where I think not, you know, the majority of Americans quite aren't there yet. It's kind of like how, you know, gay rights were pre, you know, 2008, uh, we're not, quite there as a nation of understanding and, and getting it. And so it's kind of this like unknown spooky boogie thing to like throw out there to make you afraid. And the way that they do that is, is with the kids, right? They go, Oh my God, they're, they're pushing it on the kids. They're pushing it on the kids. And it's like, dude, I don't know, man. I, I had friends who were questioning their sexuality all through middle school, high school into college. Right. And then finally had settled on the kind of where they're at. And so I think if they would have been a little bit more knowledgeable about that stuff as a kid, they wouldn't have been feeling for so long while we were going through school. Like, is something wrong with me? Am I yeah. wrong? Am I bad for yeah. feeling the way I do about another girl or, you know wow. what I mean? And so I think it, it's really not, you're not hurting those kids. You just, in my, in my opinion, you just aren't, you just really aren't. I think it's a complete false flag bullshit argument that people throw out there because they don't want to grip or, really settle with their own either homophobia transphobia whatever and they're like oh fuck that that makes me feel uncomfortable and, he, and the funniest part is the most proponent people who are outspoken about these things are all the time you know closet trans lovers or closet trans or closet gays themselves like there was another republican dude who just got busted the other day for being on a website specifically for hooking up with trans women but he's the bill runner for trying to ban it in his state and it's like dude <laughs> you guys are so fucking clown like if you like trans people just say you like trans people you don't have to be so fucking extra about it and try to like eliminate them from existence on paper so you can fuck them in your fucking backseat you know honda or whatever it's goofy it's goofy <laughs> shit goofy shit and i'm tired of acting like it's not and, and it's just yeah. getting worse and worse it seems like 
and it, and it's ridiculous too because it's like you know i'm even starting to see like some gays are trying to like separate themselves from like the trans community because they're like oh well they're catching too much flack and we don't want to lose the progress we've made so we're going to say that they're bad too a thing that uh, you see this a lot with um and Tyler might be able to speak to it more is the Asian community will oftentimes align themselves with the white community against blacks and Hispanics because they want to be seen as like the token minority as the good minority. And so they're trying to get in with the Joneses basically. <clears throat> and by doing that, they too will shit on other minorities. That doesn't help anyone. You're furthering the fucking problem. You're just as bad. You're not doing anything. You're not doing anyone a service. And so it's kind of gross, honestly, to see how much of an issue this has become. Um, but yeah, all that to say, I personally, in my opinion, don't think it, it's hurting kids. I don't think it's a danger to them. I don't even think it's really confusing to them. If anything, it might start a conversation that they're going to have with themselves anyways in a few years, a little bit earlier. But that just gives them more time to think about it. you know. And a, a big, big, big point to emphasize is that bottom surgery, which is like the most controversial part of trans people, does not happen in minors. It just doesn't. Okay. It's like less than like 1% of cases a year. It doesn't, it's not a fucking thing. Uh, and hormone blockers, like you can be taken off of them and you can reverse that too. It's not permanent. So like, that's another thing, right? People will be like, oh, well you shouldn't be putting kids on hormone like blockers and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you know how much easier it makes their life if they're, if they really are trans, you know, and they're like, I'm stuck in a man's body and I feel like a woman and they have to go through puberty as a man and then have to try to take estrogen to overpower that and then go through it. It's so much more difficult. And, you know, the way to make trans people's existence so much more beneficial in the world is like if they're able to pass right as their identity that they believe or feel that they are. And so if you make that more difficult for them, you're just creating more and more issues. You're not solving anything. They are who they are. Right. You can try to legislate that or say that it makes you feel icky. But at the end of the day, they, you know, like. They are who they are, man. You're not going to change that. And they exist and they're real and they're here. And so you can either be a bigot or, you know, challenge yourself a little bit, grow. I agree, big dog. I agree. Yeah. Well, I know we've been kind of going for a while, guys. Um, <laughs> probably time to wrap it up. Any last thoughts? We'll go to Tyler um, first. Ben, I, my bad. I, yeah. I just want to say thank you for having me. It's fun to catch up. I know we haven't talked in a little bit and um, I've learned a good amount too. I didn't think I'd be learning on a Thursday night, uh, just talking with the boys. Cause Dang. you know, <laughs> it's cool, man. Always happy to have conversations. So thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Loved having you on Tyler. Anything? Nah, man. Um, I agree 100% with Ben. I think I, I, I truly enjoy myself. I love having these conversations. I honestly, as y'all know, I love giving my damn opinion. Um, So this is just a great time to do so, man. That's why I'm here, baby. I love to tell people the way I feel and why I feel mm. it. Uh, to anybody out there that does know me, um, please don't judge me. And on the other part of that, if you knew me, if you really know me, you already knew everything I said today. So, <laughs> hey, um. Yeah, no, but thank you, Kyle, for real. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, I look forward to listening to this back and sounding how stupid my voice sounds. You know, this is, I know I know I'm going to hate my voice. So we'll see how that turns out. Doesn't we'll do everybody. the best to, to make you sound good. Yeah, everybody hates their voice. It's, <laughs> you never really get over it. I still, when I listen back to, like, call recording, I'm like, ah, oh, God damn it. But it is what it is. Um, absolutely loved having you guys on. I think this was a lot of fun. 
Uh, we'll probably do another one sometime because I think this is a, a nice format to have a couple people to bounce the ideas off of. Uh, and to everybody else, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you hopefully next week. Back to a regular schedule. No more missed weeks. And yeah, take care.